All right, this morning, if you'll turn in your Bibles with me to the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel 37, 1 through 10, I want to talk to you, speak to you, inform you of a concept that is very vital in our day and time. This generation is considered the generation of the uncommitted. The generation of the uncommitted. They, they don't like to die to anything. It's whatever is next, whatever feels good at the moment, whatever works for me. And because of that, there is this lack of achieving or reaching the goals that, that they want to reach. In other words, the desire or the vision or the purpose that God put in them is still there, but they become more and more frustrated because they can't achieve it the way they want to achieve it. They, they can't quit job after job and somehow become the manager of something. They can't all of a sudden have what they want. So all we see is the violence or the complaining or the, hey, somebody needs to pay me back for something I didn't do or somebody didn't do for me. Somebody needs to, to, to excuse my bill for, for all my college that I took because I, I don't really want to go have to pay it all back. I, I, just, I just want it gone. We live in a society of the uncommitted. They've learned it well from us because in our marriages, in our staying with our families, in our working, and our doing, we've kind of given them some really good examples. I want to speak today on life is neutral. Look at the person beside you and tell them life is neutral. Now let me just go ahead and break it to you. I'm the last person in the world you need to tell your sad story to. It doesn't mean nothing to me. Well, I'll listen to it. And we'll cry. And then I'm going to look at you and I'm going to say, now what? That's just the way it's going to go. I'm sorry you are where you are. I'm sorry your life was. I'm sorry your dog died when you were three. I'm sorry you got too many spankings. I'm sorry there was nobody there to spank you. I'm sorry that life has given you what it's giving you, but it does not change the fact that you are breathing right now and living right now and you still got to go somewhere. You, you got to go somewhere because life is not neutral. Look at that person beside you and say, life is not neutral. You can't sit there and sit there and sit there and wonder why it's not working. When I was growing up, we had a stick shift that we all learned to drive. All of us kids learned to drive our cars by a stick shift. And it was a three-speed truck, Chevy truck, a column shift. And so it was the worst of the worst trying to learn to drive on. But we'd get out in these fields and we would all pile up in there. And usually you had to take somebody with you. You never went by yourself because it wouldn't work. I'll explain why. Because in that column shift, you started in first gear. You're in it. Now, the problem was is that while you're going and you get up to about 10 or 15 miles an hour, the thought is you have to go down, you clutch it. You, for those that don't know, you have a clutch. There's three pedals on the floor. You have a clutch and you have to pull it down towards you and down again. Anybody remember that? 
If you, if you learn to drive on that, that's the way. And what would happen was when it hit neutral, right in the middle, it wouldn't go nowhere. You would pull, and you'd just be... And what you'd do is you stop, leave it running, mash the clutch, and your brother or sister would get out, pop the trunk or the hood of the truck, and they would get up there, and there was two little bars up there at the top, and they would wiggle them. And you would have to wiggle them until they would put it back down in first and second again. They would get stuck all the time. And this is how we learned to drive. If you could ever get it to third gear, if it ever got in third, you didn't want to come out. It finally just went up smooth into third gear. Now you were rolling fast as you wanted to, sliding from ditch to ditch, tearing up corn or soybeans or whatever it was along the way. And that's how we learned to drive. Learning that neutral was the worst place to be stuck. You can't go anywhere. It, it, it won't move. Something has to change for something to happen. Somebody was going to have to help in the process of moving it out of neutral because you couldn't remain there. So many people in life, this is the way they think. Go with me to Ezekiel 37, beginning at verse 1, and let's read. The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of a valley, and it was full of bones. And he caused me to pass by them all around and beheld there were many in the open valley and indeed they were very dry. The situation was bad. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? So I answered the Lord, O Lord God, you know. Go to verse 10 with me. So I prophesied. And he commanded them, and breath came into them, and they lived, and stood upon their feet, an exceedingly great army. There are times when we are going to become stuck in life, not because life is good or bad. You've got to get past this mindset that life has been good to you or bad to you. As long as that is, you will look like a victim, you will act like a victim, and people will treat you like a victim. Life is neither good nor bad. Well, bro, that ain't, that's not true. That's not what we were taught. Well, I'm sorry you were taught that. Because Matthew says it rains on the good and the bad. You walk outside when it's raining, whether you're a good person or a bad person, you're going to get rained on. Job said, I was born of woman but a few days and full of trouble. If I go to James with you, it says trouble comes to good people and trouble comes to bad people. There's no difference. Every one of us has a story. Every one of us has a problem. Every one of us has a trial. That's not your situation. Your situation is, is which gear will you go for, reverse or forward, while life is trying to be neutral around you. It's not that Martin Luther King became great because his life was great. It's not that Moses became great because his life was great. It's not because Joshua had a great beginning. It's not because David was the most favored of his brothers. Every story in the Bible has one 
thread that runs through every single one of them is that every single one of them had trouble. It didn't matter if you talk about Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Pick your story and I'll tell you their trouble. Tell me their name and I'll tell you what they had to go through. You want to talk about Abraham, Gideon? Which one you want to pick? And every one of them has just as much reason to put it in reverse as they did to put it in forward. Every one of them had just as much reason to say I can't as to say I can. Doesn't matter if you go to the library today and find you a book on somebody that you admire who became successful. Pick a book on Abraham Lincoln and find out how many elections he lost. He lost more elections than he won. But after every loss, did he say, well, I just wasn't meant to be for me to be anything? No. He would prepare again for the next election, the next thing that he was running for, and continue pressing forward. Why are you saying that, Brother Lot? Because listen to me, this is the way the Christian life has to operate. Life, like a gear shift, has a neutral. It has a reverse, and it has a forward. The reverse, or the neutral, let's just call them problems. Look at the person beside you and say, you got problems? Welcome to the club. You got problems? Okay, that's neutral. Everybody walked in here in neutral. Everybody came in here with something going on, something the doctor said, something that ain't right, something that's bothering you, something that's troubling you, somebody ain't treated you correct. Everybody in this room has a neutral. It's the problems that come around you. Now, you can put it in reverse. You can operate in fear. You can get afraid of what's going on around you, and you can let fear grip you. And which means also you might get a fighting attitude. Anybody ever get a fighting attitude when life ain't going good? Well, if that's just the way it's going to be, I'm going to do this, 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 It's just they're scared. It's just that they're scared. Anytime you bump something that hasn't moved, it gets shaken and it gets scared. If you go up to a turtle that's cruising along and you kick it, what's it going to do? It's going to run faster, right? No, built within it, it's going to pull its legs in, its head in, it's going to... It don't even know what hit it. Doesn't know what kicked it. Doesn't care. Its natural reaction is to go in reverse. Anybody ever run over a squirrel? A squirrel has one flaw. And the reason it's most, most of the time when you're driving down the road, you're going to see a dead squirrel. Let me explain why. Because a dead squirrel always goes back the same direction that it is running. So a squirrel can be almost across the road and you're like, whew, missed that squirrel. And what will it do? And what do you say? That dumb squirrel? Why? Because built within it, the moment it gets scared, it wants to go back to the most comfortable place that it knew. It's the way it's built. It's the way it's designed. 
On the other hand, God did not give us the spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. Now, think about this. God gave you the power to overcome, but He does not make you overcome. Notice when He says this, when we say this, those scriptures like, like, boy, I'm telling you, God gave us power, love, and a sound mind. What good is that? It only means you have the ability to put it in forward. That's all it means. Doesn't mean you're going to. Doesn't mean, it doesn't mean God's going to make you do it. It just means you have the ability to do it. It means you have the capacity to do it. As a Christian, I have the capacity in any situation to go forward. As a Christian, I have a capacity in every situation to overcome. To be victorious. As the Apostle Paul says, in all things, I am more than a conqueror. I have the ability to understand this and to operate in this, or I have the ability in my neutral setting to grab fear or or flight or fight, and I have the ability to go in reverse. Now, what we call this sound mind, power, love, and sound mind is courage. Look at the person beside you and say, you got to have courage. You're going to have to have courage to operate in this power, love, and sound mind because what it says is, is that it is ultimately forward is faith. So if reverse is fear, forward is faith. But what makes me say, man, I don't know how this thing's going to turn. What allows me to push it in forward is the courage that I have. Hebrews 11 says it this way, For faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things... It's the substance of things you don't have. The evidence of things you haven't seen. How are you going to get there? You're going to have to have courage. Whining won't work. Complaining won't get you there. You can suck your thumb. You can go to bed. You can try to play hooky and just not show up. It ain't going to matter. It will till take courage to operate in faith to move forward. Man, if I could get you to understand what I'm teaching, it would transform your life. Let's go in the Bible, and I'll explain it to you in the way of salvation. Go with me to Matthew 6, verses 19 through 24. This is Jesus' teaching and how Jesus taught the people. The people were comfortable in what they were pursuing. But it did not bring the results that they wanted. So along comes Christ. And here's what he teaches in this Sermon on the Mount. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. He says, listen to me, I know your nature. What's our nature? He says, your nature is to hoard what you got, to, to covet what you got. To not want to lose what you got. If it's your house, if it's your kids, if it's your car, if it's whatever, what you want to do is you want to just put it all under a shed and, 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 and not deal with anything. The only problem is, is that everything you keep trying to hold on to, you can't possess it. 
That's what frustrates you. I'm going to cover this in a little bit. Let me just go ahead and just give you the misnomer. Change is inevitable. Let me go ahead and correct your theology. Taxes and death is not what's always going to happen. You may have to pay taxes, you may not. Rapture may take place, and we may not have to see death. That's, that was told to me young, and I was like, that don't make sense. But I'm going to tell you one thing that is always going to be in your life, whether you like it or not, whether you want to deal with it or not, whether you want to run from it or not, you will have to deal with change. It's coming. In fact, it's got you right now. The fact that things are changing around you causes discomfort. And Jesus is teaching the people who what they have done is they have pulled away from God and they've held on to things thinking it will substitute. But he looks at them and says, think about the things you got. Can you hold them? Can you keep them? Can you take them to the grave with you? Can, can, can you? Can, can you? You can't. He said, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Why do people get so heartbroken when somebody dies? Because they didn't expect change. Why do people get so upset when they get old? Because they didn't expect change. The only thing that's ever going to upset you is when change comes and you're not expecting it. And it's going to bother you, upset you. Just all right. Here's what he says. But lay up for yourselves treasures where they don't steal. Verse 21. For where your treasure is, verse 21, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. So if I want to keep my heart, then I have to put it somewhere where there is no change. That's what Jesus is saying. Put it somewhere where there is no change. And heaven is the one place there is no change. God is the one who does not change. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body is full of light. In other words, if I see something and I know that I don't, I, that can't work. Let me say it this way. Your decisions are not your problem. Look at that person beside you and tell them, your decision ain't your problem. The consequences is your problem. Your decision today ain't your problem. You can decide to sleep around today and get pregnant. That ain't your problem. That's just a bad decision. But I'm going to tell you the consequences are going to wear you out. And the reason we worry about decisions, we only think of decisions as, is this a good decision, bad decision? Oh, I don't know. I'll just do it anyway. And if we get stuck thinking about the decision, you're going to make a lot of bad ones because you 
don't understand the consequences. But before you make any decision, if you would take the time to go research everybody who ever made that decision and ever went down that road, if you before you open up a pack of cigarettes and decide, I'm going to smoke, you need to get on the internet. What's the percentage I'm going to die? What's the percentage I'll end up dragging a, a, a little canister around? What's the percentage I'm going to do? See, it ain't your decision that's the problem. It's your consequences that's going to ruin your life. And so if you spend enough time thinking about your consequences, why do I not do what I do, Brother Lot? Why, why do you not do? Why don't you go to the casino? Not because it would be a bad decision, because of all the consequences that could come in behind it, because of all the things that could happen, because of all the things I could lose. I've already thought about all the consequences, therefore it determines my decision. Most of you don't want to hear this. You just want to complain about your decision. Lord, I made a bad decision. Should have thought about the consequences. Well, I don't want to talk about that. I just need prayer. No. You're going to need a lot of prayer. You else just get you a prayer book because you're going to be living with that problem for a while. That was a bad decision because you didn't think about all the consequences. You should have thought before you opened your mouth. You should have thought before you went and did that. You should have thought before you acted like that. You should have thought before you slept with that. You should have thought before you started drinking that. You should have thought before you injected that in your body. You should have thought about where it's going to get you. So don't complain about where you are now. Don't be whining to me about where you are now. You just didn't like the consequences. You liked what you did. You just didn't like the consequences. Either life is going to be in forward or reverse, folks. You can't stay in neutral. You go in one way or the other. Either that piece of junk you're dating is taking you forward or that piece of junk is carrying you backwards. You better look at them real good and figure out where are we going? Are we headed to the junkyard or are we headed to a better place? Where are, we head- where are you going? Look at them in the eye and just tell them, where are you going? Tell me where you're going. I want to know where you're going. Because if you don't know where you're going, then I don't want to be around you. I wish somebody knew a little bit about some of the stuff that they were deciding on every single day. Mm, mm, mm. So Jesus does the same thing. Look at this way. But if your eye's bad, if your eye's bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. You make a bad decision. Because you're looking at something, dealing with something you don't, shouldn't. Then your whole body, the whole body's going dark. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great then can that darkness be? How far you want to go? How bad you want it to be? How low you want your life to get? This is what Jesus is teaching. I don't want y'all to get mad at me because I didn't teach this. This was Jesus. If you were sitting in front of Jesus, this is what he'd be teaching you. No one can serve two masters. You're going to have one or the other. If you keep telling yourself, I'm doing my own thing, you dumber than you think. You ain't doing your own thing. You're serving one master or another. There's one master that says, I'm going to tear your life up. And there's one master that says, I want to put your life back together. No one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. 
That's what he says. We call it salvation. We, we want to be a Christian. We use that word Christian all the time. Do you know what it means when, when you say we're a Christian? There's three things that take place for a person to be a Christian. Number one, they have made a choice. To be a Christian, by definition, you have to have made a choice who you're going to serve. Well, I believe in I don't care if you believe in them or not. The Bible says the devil believes. He ain't going to heaven. I want to know, did you make the choice of who you will serve? Make a choice. The second thing about a Christian is simply this. They received a change. They received a change. Their life changed. Darkness became light. And thirdly, they accepted their challenge to take up their cross and follow Christ. To fulfill what God's called in their life. Change is inevitable. That's why we called this place years ago, All Seasons. Because every person in this room will have to go through all the seasons. Change is continually happening in your life. Let me show you to you in Ecclesiastes 3. Go to Ecclesiastes 3 with me. And I'll just show you real short. For everything there is a... This is the greatest scripture in the world. That's, that's why we call it all seasons. Because whatever season you're in right now, it's going to change. Whatever season you're in right now, it's going to change. Now, I've done told you that it can change for forward or it can change to go backward. But let me tell you something. Life is going to keep bringing you seasons, all seasons, 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 in season, out of season. A time for every purpose under heaven. Here's what he says. Verse 2. A time to be born. Okay, you expect that season, right? If somebody's born, we don't go, oh, that's a miracle. No, we expect babies born all the time. We look at people, when are you going to have yours? When's yours due? There's a season for that. But there's also a season for what? To die. I don't like talking about that. Well, too bad. It's a season. Let me give you some more. There's a season to plant. There's a season that's, man, this is, oh, working on this is tough. There's a season, like we built the camp and we, we, we did all that, and, and there's a season to plant and, and, to, and to build and to do. But there's also another season, what? To pluck what has been planted. I sat back on that couch the other night watching them kids down this altar, grinning like a possum. What you smiling about? You wouldn't understand. Because you wasn't in the field. You wasn't there putting, the, putting it in the ground. You wasn't there crying. You wasn't there weeping over it. You wasn't there sweating over it. You wasn't there worried about it. You wasn't there. So you don't get to understand. They go together. There's a time to kill. And a time to heal. A time to break down. 
there's a time to yank a knot in somebody. <gasps> I can't believe you said that to so-and-so. Well, get used to it. There's a season for it. They all the seasons can't be good. You should have taught that to your children. The same one that loved them, the same one that spanked them. Same one that said, I love you, the same one that taught, yank you not in you. Took me years to figure that out about my dad. Because he understood there's seasons. There's time to build and there's time to break down. Verse 4. I love this one. There's a time to. There's a time to cry. There's a time to just, just cry and say, I just didn't do it right. And there's also a time to. See, our problem is we like neutral. We like it where we don't have to go too much one way or too much another. Why do I have to go all the way to this extreme or all the way? Because God says that's the way I built the world. And you're in the world. There's seasons of your life. There's time to mourn. There's times to be broken hearted. And there's times to dance. We could keep going. There's no sense. They're all the same. They're all part of life. You can't pick the ones you like and excuse the ones you don't. Let me show it to you this way. Jesus came that you might be wealthy. Jesus came that you might be wealthy. Now when I say that, I don't mean money. But that you may have abundance. You may see yourself as wealthy. I am wealthy. How do you know you're wealthy? Because I'll tell you the difference between the three. And you tell me which one you are. Poor people talk about money. Look at the person beside you and say, poor people talk about money. They're always talking about money. We ain't got enough money. We need more money. We got, where was our money? That's poor people. Poor people always talk about money. Well, I got a lot of money. You ain't got enough because you're always talking about it. You're poor. Ain't got enough to be happy. Complain about everything you got to spend your money on. You remind everybody, you know how much it costs to do this? You know it's always about money. Poor people talk about money. Rich people talk about things. Oh, we done moved up a level. There are some people that are rich. Well, I got this, and I bought this, and man, we're doing good over here. I got the rich young ruler. The wealthy talk about ideas and purpose. See, wealthy people only talk about where they're going and what they're... That's why I'm, the wealthiest people you ever meet are people that don't even think about money. They think about the next thing they're wanting to do. The next thing they're wanting to do creates their money and their wealth. Other people behind them are like, man, that dude, he is rich. But they don't see themselves that way. They get up in the morning before everybody else. They go to work. They do all they're going to do. Why? Because they have a purpose in life. Bill Gates did not wake up every day thinking, Man, if I could just get to this many trillion dollars, I'll be happy. Bill Gates had a purpose. 
Do we find anyone who is considered wealthy? And I will show you, they do not study people from the past, Ford, uh, Rockefeller, any of them you want to study. They never pursued money. They never cared about being rich. They pursued what they loved, the idea, the purpose that God put them on the earth for. If, if you love landscaping, if you love landscaping, then you don't worry about the money. You love doing what you're doing, and you become excellent at what you're doing, and you become so good at what you're doing, people pay you excessive amount of money to come do what they wouldn't hire just some lawn boy to do. Yeah, it costs a little more, but it's okay because I love what I do. And when you do it, you're going to do it better than anyone else. That's how you produce wealth in your life. God said, I make people wealthy. I find poor people, and I put them in wealth, and they know that I can accomplish through the power of God what I'm supposed to do. Therefore, I am more than able to do whatever it is I need to do. I am wealthy. Let's just say it this way. When I moved to Forest, I was wealthy. On the corner of Banks and Jones Street, I was wealthy. You wouldn't have known it. Didn't need to know it. I wasn't asking nobody. I told people where we were going. I explained to them where we were going. Some quit thinking I'd lost my mind. But it wasn't like I lied to anybody. I told them this is the purpose God moved me here for. This was the reason God moved me here. Now, one, two, three, four, four or five buildings later, dorm rooms, indoor pools, water slides, Fishing ponds, kayaks. Somebody's liable to walk up accidentally now and say, Dude, man, y'all got a lot. Oh no, I had a lot a long time ago. It just took you a while to figure it out. God already called me wealthy way before I started. God already called me successful before I began. The question was whether I could keep pushing forward in the seasons that life was going to bring me. I was wealthy when I laughed, and I was wealthy when somebody had killed my clerk with a gun. I was wealthy when I had people doing good, and I'm wealthy when I go to a funeral. I'm wealthy coming in, and I'm wealthy coming out. question is, look at the person beside you and say, what income level are you? Are you poor? Are you just rich? Talk about your stuff. Well, at least I got this. Well, I got me a new truck. Well, remember now, all that stuff, that mammon stuff, you're going to need a new truck in about 10 more years. You're not wealthy. You're just rich. You're going to need to fix that old house before long. You're not wealthy. You're just rich. You just got enough money to keep fixing what's broke. Wealthy deals with ideas. When I sit down with people, that's why it's hard for me to sit down with a lot of people and talk because when I sit down, they want to talk about money or they want to talk about what they got or where they've been. Or If I was to take pictures of my wealth, what do you think it would look like? It would look like me standing there Thursday night with Victor, one of my boys. He's going through his teenage years now and he's starting college and he's and it's tough because it's a tough season. And watching him in the altar Thursday night. And I don't have a mansion to show you. I don't have a 12-bedroom house to give you a glimpse of. I'm just wealthy. 
All I can show you is a picture of me and Victor standing there side by side smiling and saying, life is good. Life is good. I don't have a car to show you me beside to say I'm wealthy. But I can show you my wealth. I can show you the other day when I'm riding around with my friends who went with me to the funeral who took time off from what they were doing because what this was was more important to them. And me and Jim and Bubba and Mark are riding in a truck going to do a graveside for a family. That's wealthy. Some of y'all, your problem is you're rich or you're poor, but you ain't wealthy. And until you learn how to be wealthy, you're never going to be happy. And there ain't enough work you can do and stuff you can store up and enough things you can buy and enough vacations you can go on and enough things you can take photos of and stick it on the internet. You can't get wealthy that way. Jesus said, store up your treasure where moth and rust does not destroy it. That's wealth. God produces wealthy people. There's three kinds of people in this room today. I'm sorry, is this teaching okay? I'm hurrying through. I'll stop when I just get close to time. I ain't going to get through, but I'm just going to stop when it's time. There are three types of people in this room today. I told you there's three types of mindsets. Three types of people. There, there are those group in here this morning that you just sit there and watch things happen. Wondering why it doesn't happen for you. What's wrong with you? Why ain't nobody like you? Why is everybody mean to me? There are those who sit there in neutral, just hearing the gears, and you're just like, oh, I guess it just ain't meant to be. And you will always be sitting there because God, even though He may give you all the tools, He will not make you do anything with it. The second group that's in this room, there's those who fight things that are changing. There's some of you that just hate change. I mean, Lord, there's churches that, Lord, you start changing the music. You start changing this. You start changing. Man, they're going to get ticked off and mad. Put this big wall up. Oh, I can't believe we're a circus now. It don't matter what you do. They hate change. Look at the person beside you say, you just hate change. It don't matter what you change. If I tell people to wear Badges outside instead of little stick things. And, oh, I can't believe we got to wear these big old things now. It's just, some folks just hate change. Anything you ask them to do, it's always the same attitude. <sighs> some just sit there watching change. You want to help? No. I'm going to stay right here. <laughs> we can sure use the help. No, I'm fine. You get it, bro, a lot. Get after it. I'm praying for you. Then there's those, number three, that affect the things that change. I didn't say I could stop change. I'm just right in the middle of all the change that goes on and I'm putting God's blueprints and fingerprints and His smell and His on the middle of every bit of it. I can't stop the change of all society and the way people dress and the way people act and how 
But I can be right in the middle and I can be an agent to affect change. And you're going to be one of those three. See, the problem with change is, is that it's never boring. Change is never boring. One of the things we did when we built All Seasons was we tried to, we tried to condition you for change. Changing colors of walls, changing rooms, changing the... Things are always changing. We do that on purpose so that you get used to change. But some of you fight it. Well, I'm not going to do that. We say church starts at 8.30. They ain't telling me when to come. I'm coming at 9.15. I understand. You can't stand change. Don't want to be a part of the agent of it. Is this okay? I ain't hurt your feelings yet. Hold on, I ain't through. See, the problem with change is is that change is the enemy to comfort and security. And that's really what most of the time when we're preaching or trying to teach people, well, I want you to feel comfortable and secure, but let me explain it to you. There is nothing about God that's going to be comfortable or secure. He doesn't even do the same miracles the same way when He does them. He doesn't like it. He doesn't want it. So whatever you're comfortable with, whatever it is you think is working for you, God says, I'm going to come against that. I'm going to come against that whether you like it or not. I'm an enemy to comfort and security. He said, I'm all about development and growth. Are you continually developing? Are you growing? Look at your life a year ago. How much is... How much has changed since last year? Not just that you got older, but how much, how much better have you got at something? How much more have you learned about something? What books are you reading about something? How much have you become better developed at what you do? Development and growth means insecurity and dealing with the unknown. You've got to learn to not treat change as your enemy. What God wants to do in your life requires change. Change in the way you may study your Bibles. Change in the way you may pray. Change in the way you may show up. Change in the way you may do things. But listen to me. It will always be changing. Go with me to 2 Corinthians 4 and 16. Let me give you a few scriptures to show you something. Before, while you're turning there, let me give it to you. Here's the way life has to work. You can write these down because these are very important. You're going to need to know them. Life can go no further than as you walk through these steps. Number one, your purpose. You've got to figure out why you're here today. What's your purpose? doesn't mean that's the end of your life. It just means for right now, this is what God's put in front of you. This is the purpose. This is, this is what I'm supposed to be growing and learning and doing today. What is it? What is it you're supposed to be getting better at? What is it you're supposed to be learning? 
Because number two is simply this, you've got to be able to see it. We call it vision. Where there is no vision, people perish. So every day when I wake up, I know my purpose. It gives me my vision. It gives me my direction. And number three, you have to see yourself as an agent for that to take place. In other words, God has gifted you, equipped you, put you in the right place at the right time to be the agent for whatever it is that's meant to take place. We could talk about Martin Luther King Jr., a great example. Too bad he was born a black man in 1950s and 60s, right? Boy, that's so bad. If he'd been born any other time, it could have been something great. No. He saw his purpose. He could see it. I got a dream. I see one day people going to school together. I see one day people working side by side. I see people one day going to restaurants together and eating together and doing all those things. Because of that, since God gave it to him, he said, I'm an agent of that change. Can you see it? See what I'm talking about? I'm an agent of that change. Number four, it's got to create a hunger in you that overrides everything else or otherwise you won't make it. You can't love two masters, Jesus said. Inside of this hunger and this pursuit, you had better build, build some laws for your life so that you guard yourself against all the negativity and you guard yourself against all the obstacles that are going to come against you. Billy Graham, who was the great evangelist, before he would go into a hotel room to spend the night or do anything, he would have his men go in and remove the television, remove all magazines, remove everything from his hotel room. Billy Graham grew one of the greatest ministries of his time, a mega ministry. But before the mega ministry ever grew, Billy Graham established a 12-man board that just basically paid him a salary and he received no more. Billy Graham and his wife lived and died in the same house they started in when they started. You better build some laws around you that protect you from all the things that's going to come against you because success here, all of a sudden you get a better car, ooh. I get a bigger house, ooh. And if I don't have laws surrounding me, I'll stop loving the thing I used to love and I'll start loving the thing I got. You can applaud me if you want to. I'm just telling you facts. I struggle with that like anyone else. It's easy, it would be so easy for me if it was Tim Lott Ministries. Tim Lott Ministries. And look what I built. Y'all need to give y'all's money so I can keep Tim Lott Ministry. No. I built laws in my life a long time ago. And those laws protect me from missing my purpose. You better plan it out. Always do things in five-year bites. Tell me where you want to be in five years. Tell me how you're going to get there. And don't talk to me no more until five years is up. Don't come to me in two years. Well, I, no, no, no. When five years, we'll talk some more. 
When five years is up, when you finish what it is you thought you needed to finish at that, if you say, I want to be a, get my GED and I want to finish college, then fine. Come see me in five years and tell me how it worked. We'll talk next time. I don't need to talk to you every day, every month, every week about the same thing that God done told you a long time ago. God said you need to spend more time with your wife. Ain't no sense in coming to me. I don't know what's wrong with me. Well, do what God told you to do. Make sure your relationships are good because you're either going to have people breaking you down or building you up. You're either going to have people saying you can't do it or they're going to say, hey, you're going to make it. You better have commitment built in you. It's going to get tough. There's going to be good days and bad. There's going to be good seasons and bad. There's going to be days you want to quit and days you feel good about it. You better have some commitment. And then number four, you better keep running to God. Everything I've showed you was originated by God, the purpose, your vision. And the only one that can hold it all together is God. Let me read these scriptures now. 2 Corinthians 4 and 16. Therefore we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. How do you make it all these years, Pastor? How do you deal with all the stuff you deal with? How do you, how do you not give up or quit? How do you just keep... Tri- because I am renewed month by month. Year by year. Let me tell you something. If you hadn't fell on your face today, and you ain't repented today, and you hadn't told God, I'm surrendering again today, and God, I'm, I'm telling you today, wants a fresh and anew today, then you're going to have a hard time through the week. That's why some of you struggle with stuff weak. Oh, I've been wrestling with this all week. It's because you didn't give it to God yesterday. If you give it to God yesterday, you don't have to worry about it today. Because today will bring you a whole new set of problems. And then you can give today's problems to God and move on to tomorrow. But if you keep dragging it on and don't renew your strength day by day, then for long you're going to have a month worth, a year's worth, a 20 years worth, a bad marriage worth, a bad kid's worth, and you're going to be dragging a big old grief case around with you that you should have done got unloaded a long time ago. Wherefore, we do not lose heart. Go to the next scripture. Hurry through these and I'll get you out of here. And be you renewed in the spirit of your mind. Next scripture, Romans 12 and 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So even though I got all these things working, I still got to keep running back to God every single day of my life. Because if I don't run to God, then the dream will overwhelm me. The stress will overwhelm me. The pressure will overwhelm me. Next one. And have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Brother Lot, okay, you've talked a lot about change. You've talked. When do I need to change? 
when do I know that there's things that I need to be renewed for now? When do I know that what I'm, what I'm doing has done run its season? What do, what do I need to do? When I, how do I walk through it? Well, I'm going to give you some quick things, and I want you to think real quick. In fact, I'll let you stand. Go ahead and stand. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't want you looking around. I want you answering this question in your mind. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want you to think about this question. I want you to answer it in your heart. Number one. Is what you're doing not effective anymore? Is what you're doing that you had grown comfortable doing and the way you did it, is it not effective anymore? I'm doing it, Brother Lot. Because I've been doing it. I've always done this. This way I've always worked. This way our marriage has always been. This is... But I don't... It's not producing anything anymore. Number two. Is the stuff around you, the people around you, does it feel more like an irritation than a blessing? You know, it, it can be as simple as the grass you have in your yard. There was a time, man, I loved mowing that grass. Man, I'm telling you, it was fun. I enjoyed the yard and we enjoyed taking care of everything and pruning. And Now the thought of having to go out there and clean that yard. Oh, I just wish I could concrete the whole thing. I'm sick of it. Oh, but I can't quit. I'm going to have to die mowing it because it's my grass. Listen to me very carefully. It takes courage to know when the thing that used to bring you joy is an irritation to you now. It just makes you sick to have you do it. But everybody around you knows you're doing it just because you have to. You don't get up early to do it. You don't think about it any more than you have to. You just do it. Or you just hang around them. Is the thing or the people around you more irritating to you than they are, than it is a blessing to you? Then you need change. Number three, is all the effort that you're giving, is all the energy you're pouring into it, is it creating more stress than it is blessings? Everything you're pouring energy into, is it, 
Is it making you more happy? Man, I'm so glad I get to do this. Oh, this is such a wonderful thing. Man, I'm glad I get to live here. Man, I'm glad I get to drive this. Man, I'm glad I get to mow this. Man, I'm glad I get to hang around you. Or does it bring more stress? Because it takes so much energy to keep doing what I know the season is passing. Why can't we go back to comfortable? Why can't we go back to where it was? Why can't we just do it the way they did it? Because as long as you live, change will be part of your life. The question is, do you want to go forward with God? Do you want to just try to hang out in neutral? Do you want to try to put it in reverse and force everything backwards? Jesus said, listen, if what you've got a hold of doesn't bring you what you are looking for, if what you're struggling with isn't bringing you blessings, isn't bringing you, then come unto me. Jesus said, come unto me, all you that are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. If you're in this room today, you say, Pastor, that's me. And I have fought because I just wish things would just stay. Why can't we just stay? But they can't. And I don't want to go backwards and I don't want to sit here watching the world go by. I want to go forward. I want my life. I want ministry. I want my family. I want, I want to go forward. I want to enjoy the gifts and the blessings, but I don't. I want to be wealthy and not just rich. If you're in this room today and that's you, you say, God's put a purpose in me, Pastor. I know where I'm supposed to be in the next several years. That's awesome. But the courage to go forward and trust Him through the process, that's what separates. That's what separates those you read about in the Bible or those you read about in books. Or If you say, that's me, I want you to step out from where you are. This is between you and God. God put a purpose in you. God put a destiny in you. Or are you just going to let mammon, are you going to let the cares of this world just hold you in a chair, hold you in neutral until it's gone? Listen to me. I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm not trying to be mean. I wish with all my heart I could go back and stop time. I wish with all my heart right now I could just say, we don't have to worry about ever going no further. We don't ever have to have another problem. We don't ever have to have another issue. We don't ever have to have another situation. I ain't going to have another kid problem in my family. I'm never going to. Can I tell you something? Life is going to keep coming. But I'm built for change. If you're in this room today, and that's you. This is your chance to tell God, God, don't leave me in neutral. Don't leave me fighting you. Don't leave me always complaining about where you're trying to take me. 
but move me forward. 